Our scripture reading for today is from Acts chapter 8, verse 26 through 32. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, again, good morning and happy Easter. My name's Nathan. Uh, It's so good to to be with you today. You know, last week when I said we love having kids in here... um, had no idea that everything was going to break. So uh, we do love having kids, though. And let's just, let's embrace the chaos, right? It's great to have families in here worshiping together. This is, we love this. I hope you, I hope you know that. Uh, we don't love that we had to change everything and throw everybody's expectations off. That was a little bit harder. Uh, but we do love having kids with us, so thank you for that. And for those of you who, like, saw those pictures and were like, well, here's your problem. You had a bunch of pastors trying to fix the problem. Uh, we did have some professionals there as well. So just, just, for, the, just for the record. Um, well, let me, let me uh, pray for us, and we'll look at this, this text together. Let's pray. Father, we uh, come before you um, longing to hear from you, God, uh, claiming that we are, we are not just simply a church bound by a building or walls, but God, through what you have done in us and through us as a people. And God, I thank you for the children. God, I'm, I th- thank you for the little cries and the little laughter. I thank you that we get to worship together in this space. And so would you show us from this, this old story how Easter belongs to us, that it's our day. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, last week, our daughter Eden, she's nine, uh, she won. Uh, we, were, we were at the, uh, the Millbrook School Carnival. Some of you were, were there. Uh, you know, my favorite way to spend a Friday night, I assure you. Um, and and every, every year they have like these, these raffles, right? Different baskets that you can sort of, you know, bid on, so to speak. Um, and I have no interest in any of that. Uh, but we always tell the kids, like, I mean, if you want to use some of your own money, fine. You know, teach them to gamble early on or whatever. Um, <laughs> And so they always try to, you know, they do a little bit, right? And so Eden put $5 on the chocolate basket. And we forgot about it, didn't think of anything of it. We left early, I mean, you know, as soon as we possibly could. Uh, and later on, we, we got this text message. And when we told our kids, I mean, Eden, first of all, okay, here, we got a picture here, just so you can embrace it. When we told her, like, I seriously, I cannot remember the, the last time I've laughed this hard. She lost her mind. <laughs> like, I'm not, that's not exact. She ran around screaming, dancing, yelling. She laid down on her back at the ground, spinning around like this breakdance move. Like, I mean, she, had she won a million dollars and cured cancer, she could not have partied harder. I mean, it was like, it was that intense. But when, when, he told, when we told her big brother that she won, you know, and that obviously he 
didn't. He had a very different reaction, right? I mean, classic human, it was sort of like, why should I celebrate her good news, right? And you, you've been there, haven't you? I mean, I mentioned it a while ago, I, I, a, few, a few months back, I, uh, um, I applied for this grant for my upcoming sabbatical. I did this, this proposal, all this work, and it was awesome, and I didn't get it. And I don't care how many times over the last six months I've said, well, some other pastor needed it more than me. <laughs> I hate that guy, right? That's my money, right? I, I did all that work. And so, so you know, that, that, we know that. We understand that. It's, it's hard to celebrate somebody else's good news. It doesn't mean it's good for me just because it's good for somebody. And, and so, you know, with the chocolate basket, though, I just explained to David. It's like, David, there's no way your sister could eat all that, right? She won, but we'd been feasting all week. It was good news for all of us, right? Which is, which is true of the very best news, isn't it? I mean, the best news isn't just good for one person or one group or one situation. The best news is good for everyone, which raises an important question. Who is today for? Easter. Maybe you think, well, it's, you know, it's for church people. People like us, who look like us, act like us, have the same values as us. Maybe some of you are thinking that. Others of you, maybe, maybe you don't typically go to church, and so you think, well, it's for people who believe in fairy tales. or judging others. Or maybe it's just like, man, it's, just, it's, it's tradition, it's, it's spring, it's not going to snow later on this afternoon, right? And it's just, it's just for fun. And we wonder... Is this day really for me? Well, believe it or not, the early church wrestled with these same questions. And today in Acts chapter 8, we find the, one of the most remarkable stories. We've been studying Acts together. It's the, 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 the church's origin story, essentially. And we've been in this book this year, and we see in this story that the empty grave isn't just for Jesus. It's for anyone. And so let's, let's take a look at this story. We'll have the scripture up there. If you have a Bible with you, turn to Acts chapter 8. But first, first you've got to meet Philip. So Philip is a Jewish follower of Jesus. This is true of, of all the followers of Jesus up, up until this point. Right? They've stayed mostly in Jerusalem. This is just a few months after the resurrection. And Jesus had told them, be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Right? Get this message out. Which they ignored, really. They stayed in Jerusalem, and, the, and there the church was thriving. There are thousands of Christians already to this point, but it's only been among their own people for the most part, and, and, and they're localized until the persecution started. And then all of a sudden, the Christians are like, you know what, this Jerusalem thing is maybe not all it's cracked up. Like they, they, they leave, and that, that's when the message starts spreading out, and so that's, that's kind of where we find Philip at this, this moment here. He's headed south. When he meets, look at verse 27. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Okay, this is not your typical candidate for the religious structures of that day. Like He's not somebody you think, oh, he's going to fit right in. Like, no, no way, okay? I mean, yes, it's clear he's intrigued by Judaism, but Ethiopia? 
I mean, back then, that is the ends of the earth, right? And he's a eunuch. Kids, ask your parents, okay? It's not great, okay? I'll tell you that much. Um, it's, it's, it's not a happy story for this guy, uh, which, which means, and this is important because this means that he's not fully welcome in the, the, the Jewish temple. He, he's not fully welcome to be able to even worship in their structures because he's, he's damaged. And so this, is, this news is good, but no. It's not good for this guy. And yet, if you, if you read on, I mean, this is the first individual conversion story in the book of Acts, the first convert outside of Judaism, a mutilated African. You know, one of the reasons why some may think Christianity isn't good news, and maybe, that, maybe that's you, it's like, this isn't, this isn't good news. Maybe, maybe one of the reasons for some of us is that religious people tend to exclude, don't they? Like, we, we get obsessed on who's in and who's out, right? And you have to look a certain way. You have to act a certain way. You have to do certain things, right? And we're, we're, we become judgmental, right? Self-righteous. So many religious people look that way, end, that, end up that way. But you can't miss it in this story. With Jesus, there is a home for every person. Easter means there's a home for everybody. Anybody can get in. One of the first individual converts on display, and he breaks every mold. I mean, how did it, how did it happen? Like, if you saw that in the story, like, God specifically tells Philip, go and find this guy. Right, go to these places, go talk, go talk to him. I mean, God is after him, because you see, the kind of family God wants, it's not, it's not one people group, or one culture, or one language, or one color of skin. He wants in his family every kind of human everywhere. And just think, 2,000 years later, I mean, think about it. Every, every other religion has a center, right? Kind of a home base. You know, Hinduism is, is found almost exclusively in India or that, that region. Even, even Islam, right, which is, which is growing, but you, still, you have to learn Arabic to really, truly be able to read the Quran, right? Even, even secularism, like the dominant worldview of our culture is found almost exclusively in the West. But people who follow Jesus, I mean, we're everywhere. Every culture, every, every continent, every place. Because it's good news for everyone. Now, I, I realize you may not believe that Jesus rose from the dead, right? I get that. I don't, I don't blame you. I'm, I'm not trying to prove it. That's not going to happen this morning. Sorry. Um, but you have to at least acknowledge there's something unique about Jesus that just doesn't quite fit all of the other molds of, of everything else that we go to. I mean, from the Ethiopian eunuch to millions of, of Christians in China, Russia, Brazil, you name it, everywhere, every other faith or philosophy is bound to a particular culture, but ours. There's a home here for everyone. And I believe the same God who pursued this guy is pursuing each one of us. 
Okay, but we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves here. Um, he's not a Christian yet, right? So let's, let's back up a little bit more in the story. But he, he's reading part of the Bible. Do you see that in there? Did you, did you catch that? Um, he's reading Isaiah from the Old Testament, which is written about 800 years before this time period, 800 years or so before Jesus came, right? But, but he's reading this text. I mean, it's clear he's looking for something, right? He's looking for hope, for meaning, I mean, frankly, like us, right? I mean, we're all looking somewhere for those things, aren't we? And he's looking at this, this ancient text of Isaiah. And Philip asks him, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, how can I? You know, I love that, right? We've all been there. I mean, even the Bible says the Bible's hard to understand, right? Like God, God knows. It can be a tough, a tough book. And listen, listen to what he read. Again, written 800 years earlier, this was what he was reading out of the prophet Isaiah. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. I mean, what could that possibly mean, right? Well, it's from Isaiah chapter 53, which is this, this lengthy chapter that centers upon a servant who suffers for other people's wounds. For their, their griefs, their sorrows, their sins, he takes on their pain so that they can be, be healed. And, and that phrase in particular, who can describe his generation, for his life is taken away. The scholars kind of debate on what that means, but quite possibly it means like he was killed before, the servant was killed before he could have kids. Like future generations. And in the ancient world, like everything in your life depended on your ability to produce heirs, all centered around the family and all of that. But this servant was taken from him. I can't help but wonder if that's why the eunuch is stuck on this passage. This guy's like me. Somebody had taken that away from him. I mean, just imagine what it had been like for this guy. Like most likely in that culture, somebody else had made that decision for him. You're going to work in the court, and so that means, like, we've got to, you know, we've got to take care of this thing, right? Um, and imagine after that the loneliness, the despair, the longing for family, for intimacy, for, for healing and home, all just taken from him. But Isaiah says... There's a servant who's coming who can take away your shame. There, there's a servant coming who can take away your, your pain, your loneliness, the, the heartache inside you, even, even your shame. He can, he can take it all away. One day, make it right, this, this servant. And, and so the eunuch is like, Philip, okay, I know we just met, but do you have any idea who Isaiah is talking about? Because this guy, whoever it is, this is who I want. This is, this is what I need. Verse 35, then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. You see, the Bible just tells one story. I mean, maybe if you're newer to it, like it's, it may feel like a collection of stories or maybe you think of it, it's a list of rules, do's and don'ts, that kind of thing, but not, not really. It's, it's one story. And at the heart of that story is a servant who can heal every wound. And that sure sounds like good news, right? Home for every person, 
and healing for every wound. Today means that your wounds can be healed. And, and we're all, we all carry them, right? Big, small things that have been done to you or that you've done to yourself or others. We all carry that. Maybe it's a parent, a child, an illness, loneliness, loss, depression. Maybe like this guy, it's infertility or a mistake you've made or keep making. You see, a lot of, a lot of religions talk about heaven or you know, some equivalent off out there somewhere, right? And most of the time when that sort of picture is given, it's like, it's, it's as if it's an escape from, from our wounds, right? Like just bear it up and then just, just you'll escape eventually. But not, that's not our story. Christianity takes it so much further. What's in store for us is not just a place of escape, but a place of, of healing, of wholeness, of redemption, where things that have been taken from you are made right, where, where you're, you're made whole again, whatever you've lost, that it can be restored and the unique thing about our story as well is that it's, it's not something you have to wait until you're dead for. That it can begin in us even now. For Isaiah, right, speaking of this servant, says he was a man of sorrows, rejected, despised, acquainted with grief, pierced and punished for our sins, and by his wounds, our wounds can be healed. And again, I'm not, I'm not trying to prove that Jesus did all this. I can't. But don't you at least want it to be true? A, a God who takes our pain so seriously that he actually came. He, 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 he experienced it. He knows what it's like to, to suffer. And he understands our shame so intimately that he promises to do something about it. And so, of course, the eunuch from Ethiopia says, yes. That's what I want. For here is a single, childless, suffering Savior who understands and can heal every wound. So then almost immediately, this guy begins looking for water. It's kind of strange, right? It's not that he's thirsty. Look at verse 36. And as they were going along, the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Sheesh, that seems sudden, right? Like, just give it a minute to, like, settle in, right? And baptism, like, whether you've been in church for a long time or, like, not at all, like, baptism is weird, Right? Why do, we, why do we dunk people for becoming Christians? But you see, baptism, I think the eunuch understood this. It's more than just a strange ritual. It's a reenactment of the Easter story. And, and more than just a reenactment, it's our participation in the Easter story. It's our way of declaring, embracing, feeling the good news of the empty tomb it's not just for Jesus way back then. It's for me. For in baptism, we see that like Jesus, we were dead. Our wounds, whatever they are, our sins, 
they'd gotten the better of us. And we were dead and buried under the water. But also like Jesus, we don't stay dead. And just as the grave couldn't hold him, it won't hold us. And the life we now live is united with him. And friends, this is, this is good news. A home for everyone, healing for every wound, and a life that never ends. Because everything ends, right? Everything breaks. I mean, can you just even, like, this building's been open for like five minutes, right? And it already broke, right? Because that's, I mean, that's what stuff does. It just breaks. Things fall apart. You know, even, even harder than that, this building's been open for five minutes and we've already had a funeral here. And we're a fairly young congregation. And yet we know it's coming. Life is so short. But baptism reminds us that when Jesus walks out of the grave, we walk out with him. For he died for you, he defeated death and sin for you, and he offers life to you, real life, now and forever. So what do we, what do, we do about it? Well, if you're a Christian, have you been baptized? And, and if not, why, why not? What are you waiting for? I mean, there's nothing magical about it. You don't have to be, right, to be a Christian or something like that. But, like, why would you skip out on this incredible reenactment, this, this way that you get to participate in this picture of, of what God has done inside you? The most profound, beautiful, intimate story ever told. Don't miss it. Again, we've got that coming up next week. We'd love to do that. Talk to one of us. And if you've, you've already been baptized, then remind yourself of your story. That you were dead. But now you live, and you will live forever with him. Like, and just think about, like, like, if we actually believe that, think about everything that would change in your life. Things that you'd live for, hope for, the way you'd treat your spouse, your kids, and the, the, the ways that you do your, do your work or care for your neighbors. Like, everything would change if we just could grab onto this as part of our own stories. But what, if I'm, what if I'm not a Christian? Well, friends, if that's you, let me just say, we are so glad that you're here. That's why, that's why we've built this space. It's why, we, I mean, we, we, love, we love having you here. And, and maybe today's the day for you, but maybe not. Maybe you're not ready. Um, but would you at least keep coming? I believe that God is pursuing you just like he pursued this unlikely convert. And you may not, you may not believe a word of anything I've said, and I won't hold that against you. I get it. But if there's even the slightest possibility that any of this is true, like news this good you've got to look into. Please keep coming. I mean, this, this is a safe place for you. And I'm, I mean that. This is a place where you can bring your, your doubts, your questions, your concerns, your wounds. Bring them here to us. And let us, let us as a family carry those things together. We want you here. It's good news, people. Not just for a few and not, not just for the cleanest parts of our lives, you know, when we look all spick and span, ready for Easter. But all of us, this is our day. And his story can be your story. Let's pray. Father, I pray 
that you would remind me again of the beauty of what you've done. God, I pray that you would help us together, whether we've, we've heard this story over and over and over again. God, I pray that you would help us see freshly your love and your goodness and your power to take our brokenness, our wounds, and to make us into something beautiful. And so God, I pray that whatever we're dealing with this morning, the good things and the hard, God, would you be near to us? And would you draw us to yourself? We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, amen. What a joy it is to be uh, with you all this Easter Sunday. Woo! Uh, it's just a good Sunday to celebrate. It's a good day to remember. It is a good message that tells us that, that there is a home for every person, that there is a healing for every wound, and that there is a life that never ends. As we leave this place, uh, from being the church gathered to being the church scattered in the places that God has sent us, in our homes, our communities, our workplaces, our schools, hear these words. May we leave in the triumph of this victorious truth. Brothers and sisters, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass this saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Go in the truth of that hope. Have a great week.